Welcome to the Red Letter Christians podcast. Red Letter Christians gets our name from the Bibles that highlight the words of Jesus in red. And we're aspiring to live as if Jesus meant the stuff he said. We know that the loudest, most prominent voices representing Christianity in America haven't always been the most beautiful or the most faithful voices. And we know that the way we change the narrative is by changing the narrators. We are committed to amplifying the voices of people who are dedicated to Jesus and to justice. This is Shane Claiborne, and I am so glad you could join me for the show today. I got to tell you, this is sort of a special show because I just turned 47 years old. (laughs) 47. And... Right before my birthday, I got this invitation from uh, the president, the the president of these United States of America. Listen to this. This is what it says on the uh, official invitation. The president requests the pleasure of your company at an event celebrating the passage of the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act to be held at the White House on Monday, July 11, 2022. So July 11th, you know. Turning, turning 47, and Katie and I are thinking through, um, you know, what are we going to do for my birthday? So she said, it, she said, my wife, Katie, said, it is your birthday, so we can do what you want. For her birthday, by the way, Katie just turned 40, and we went go-karting on the adult go-karts, which means you can go really, really fast, and uh, it's kind of scary, and we had unlimited arcade points to play at the ski ball and um anyway so my birthday rolled around a few weeks later and we got to go to the white house and so we got at like four in the morning and i'm just going to give you the the uh view of the day and then i'll tell you about some of the action that we're seeing on gun violence over here uh because that's what this gathering at the white house was about but first of all so I, I I really don't have a lot of options when it comes to my outfits and attire. So I saw in the note that this was a um, very formal event, uh, even though it was outside. And so I, you know, I've got I've been making clothes for 20 years, but I pretty much use the same pattern except for this. Um, when we got married, my mom made me a tuxedo that just to give you a sense of how complicated this pattern is, the pockets of the tuxedo have nine parts to them. I mean, on my pants, a pocket has one part, right? You make the pocket and sew it on, but this is intricate, right? And so it's got a vest, it's got a jacket, it's beautiful. Um, So I, I don't get to wear it a lot. So whenever there's an opportunity like this one at the White House to wear my suit, I get really pumped. And uh, I also got to wear my cufflinks. Cufflinks, y'all. That's what Katie Katie got me a few things for uh, our wedding um, when we were getting married. And one of them was my cufflinks that have two different pictures, uh, different paintings of Banksy, um, the wonderful street artist Banksy. So I've got the, the cufflink with the guy throwing the Molotov cocktail style um uh bouquet of roses and then i've got another one with the two kids standing on the guns it's beautiful so i wore those we went down we got up really early in the morning and uh headed to washington dc it's about three hours from philly so we get in there plenty of time uh and 
what was amazing was to see this gathering of people, y'all, that have work, been working year after year, mass shooting after mass shooting, day after day, uh, to end gun violence. So, I mean, as soon as I get there, I start seeing friends uh, like my friend uh, Michael McBride at the Live Free campaign. I saw Sharon Risher, whose family and her mom uh, were murdered in Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina. I see my buddy Gabe Seguero, who's been working on this front with a coalition of evangelicals around the U.S. I mean, just beautiful, right? And um, then, so we get through and we get into uh, this gathering and start seeing all these people. And this is one of the most powerful things about doing justice work is seeing all of these incredible people, many of them who have survived gun violence, the Parkland students were there, folks from the Black Lives Matter movement, all working together towards the same end. And many of them fueled uh, by our faith. Uh, and, you know, one of the things I talk about on this show all the time is how powerful faith is in transforming the world that we live in. And it takes faith, right, to believe that gun violence doesn't have to be normal, right? I mean, to, to believe that we don't have to lose a hundred lives every day to guns. And that's where we're at in America. I mean, even in the middle of the pandemic, we've had over 40,000 lives lost to guns. Um, so we, we gathered and the, the tone of the whole gathering really from the vice president Kamala Harris and, and President Biden and, and several other folks on the platform was just one of lament, of grief, of saying it doesn't have to be this way. Uh, and so there was a, a doctor from Uvalde where we had the, the mass shooting uh, in Texas in the elementary school. Uh, there was the son of one of the, the elders that was killed in Buffalo and this um, uh, entirely, you know, almost entirely African-American community as they were shot, you know, in the shopping center. And one of those uh, uh, women was like 86 years old. So this was her son that was speaking. And, um, and then every single person on the stage said, this is not enough. You know, we're going to need more. Um, uh, but, but this is a beginning. It's a crack, you know. And, and one of the things about this, uh, this bipartisan uh, gun bill is that it, it, it pumps a bunch of money, like 200, over $200 million, I think it is, into the work on the ground. So it's going to put money back into the communities of folks that are working hard every day, boots on the ground, you know, folks in our neighborhoods doing violence interruption, de-escalation, doing uh, work to try to end gun violence. So that is beautiful. Um, but what's also true is that there are a few really significant parts of this bill and um, we need more, but one of them is it's, it's going to tighten the background checks, um, especially on minors. And, and, you know, we're kind of reminded that both of the shooters in Buffalo and Uvalde, um, they were 18 years old. They also had assault rifles. So that's not in this bill, but I wish it was. And we're going to keep pushing for 
uh, tighter restrictions on um, assault weapons. To be honest, I, I think I don't think military style weapons should be on the streets at all. So I support a, a full ban on grenades, <laughs> rocket launchers, and assault style rifles that are just designed to kill a lot of people quickly. Uh, the, the other thing that's in this Safer Communities Act is uh, red flag laws that would allow people who know folks that are um, showing signs that they're dangerous, you know, to themselves or others to put a red flag on and, and um, see if uh, we, we can protect them and others from the guns that they may have. So um, one other piece of this law is a, uh, around domestic violence. And what we know is that a gun in the home is makes a, a, an, an abused a uh, person five times more likely to become a victim of domestic homicide. Um, so, so many of our murders are folks killing an intimate partner and domestic violence is really a very, very um, important sign that someone is imminently dangerous if either killing someone in their own home or someone outside their home. So, you know, this is, this is important, but here's what it was about is not the substance of this bill bill. This is what I think y'all is that it will save lives and we should celebrate every time we pass policies that could protect people. Um, but the, the, the other part of this is that we could save more lives if we want to. So I know many of y'all are listening overseas, and I want to invite you to continue to pray for our country as uh, we're spiraling out of control in a lot of different ways. But around gun violence, um, uh, we, we just did a demonstration in Philadelphia where we marched in the streets, vigiling and praying, uh, and we also carried the names and the ages of over 500 people killed in Philadelphia just last year, just in our city. Uh, it's more than we've ever had in the history of Philadelphia, one person said. So th this is record numbers that we haven't seen in decades this high. And even uh, for our city, it's the highest that we've ever had in history. And every one of these folks is made in the image of God, a child of God. So there comes a point where you can't be pro-life and ignore the epidemic of gun violence. And uh, so as we got going, this was interesting, though, as, as President Biden started talking, um, one of the, the things he said early on is that we've got to do more. This is just the beginning. Uh, but there was someone that interrupted him and uh was, was saying essentially that we got to do more. This is not enough. And they were um, ushered out of the meeting, um, uh, out of, out of this, this uh, event. But later we found out that this was um, a parent of someone who was killed in Parkland uh, in the school shooting in Florida. And so you just get reminded, I, you know, I was talking to a friend, I said, I think we have a lot of, um, empathy for that man who, even though he was interrupting President Biden's speech, that the, the passion that he feels, many of us feel, is that we're tired of just uh, politicians and preachers offering thoughts and prayers after every mass shooting in America and, and then refusing, our legislators refusing to do the things that would stop mass shooting. So this is a good start. Um, 
but but uh and you know what what was so important for me was seeing all of these folks that are working so hard you can find a lot of them on our red letter christians website and um let me just pause by saying i'm i'm so grateful for all of you that tune in to the radio show and podcast all the work that we're doing it is spiritual work you know um the work that we're doing at red letter christians is it, not at its core is not just political, although I, I'm, I think, you know, politics means uh, the citizen. So it is about loving our neighbor as ourself is, is trying to um, affect policies that will allow our neighbors to flourish. Um, but it's also spiritual work. And that whenever people tell me that gun violence is not a gun problem, it's a heart problem. I always like to say it can be both, you know, uh, the fact is that we have a gun problem and a heart problem and, and only God can heal hearts. No, you can't legislate love. You can't make hate illegal. And even if we got rid of all of the guns, folks would find other ways to harm people, to kill people. I mean, we've, we've seen folks use um, airplanes as weapons, drive them into buildings. We've seen folks use a car as a weapon and drive it into a crowd. Folks that have taken a pressure cooker and turned it into a bomb. I mean, um, the sinful mind is um, always innovating terrible ways to hurt people. But the fact is that guns are designed to kill. And some of them are designed to kill as many people as they can, as effectively as they can. And that, that's why this is also a policy problem, right? That we want to make it harder for people to kill. And right now, we're making it really, really easy. Uh, but it's, it's this little crack, you know, that you go, this is possible. We can do this. And the fact is that uh, I, I know this is mind boggling for folks, you know, in other parts of the world, but two thirds of Americans live without guns, two thirds of Americans live without guns. Uh, in fact, there's a small part of our population that's uh, less than 5% of our population that own almost half of the guns uh, over, you know, some 150 million guns that are owned by 5% of our population. And so these are folks that are owning like 20 guns or more. Some people in our country, listen to this, have over a thousand guns. One guy that we uh, talk about in our book, Beating Guns, he has 4,000 guns. <laughs> you go, my gosh, this man has a problem. What We've got a problem as a country. Um, and the fact is that uh, we've got more guns than people now, even though two thirds of Americans uh, choose not to have a gun. So it, it, uh, it makes our country very fragile. Um, it makes means that what we know where there are more guns, there are more suicides. And that's two thirds of our gun deaths uh, uh, are around two thirds are usually people taking their own life. And the reason that a gun is so important when it comes to suicide is because it's so effective. 90% of people who attempt suicide with a gun, they end up dying. Uh, but what's interesting is almost every other method of trying to take your own life is not as effective and 80 to 90% of people end up surviving the first suicide attempt and they don't go on to take their own lives. They get a second chance, but guns don't allow that. And thwarting that first suicide attempt is so important in protecting people's lives and uh, assuring that they do get a ch second chance. So suicide, but listen to this, in the pandemic, guns became the number one cause of death of all 
American children. Listen to that. Number one, beyond cancer, automobile accidents, guns are now claiming more lives of our children than anything else in America. Uh, President Biden uh, said this in his speech that uh, there have been more high school kids killed from guns uh, than police killed in the line of duty or the military service members. Can you believe that? And, and so to say that we're, we are for our kids, we're for families, we're pro-life, uh, and to not be vocal on this issue is such a travesty. And so we need um, uh, pastors and Christians. We need everybody. But we also, I mean, I, I want to believe that the church is a force for life. But the fact is on guns, we have not always been that. And so I hope that's changing. We're going to be a part of that change. Uh, what we found as we researched for our guns book was that Christians own guns at a higher rate than the general population. Listen to that. Christians are one of the most, the, the highest gun owning demographics in our entire country, white evangelical Christians to, in, in particular. Uh, and, and, you know, there, there comes a point where you go, uh, am I going to follow Jesus or am I going to follow the NRA, the National Rifle Association, right? Like the, the gospel of Jesus offers a very alternative, uh, a very uh, sharp contrast, an alternative to the gun. You see, you know, the cross is giving us one version of power and the gun is giving us another. And there, become, there comes a point where you can't serve two masters. And um, the early Christian said, for Christ, we can die, but we cannot kill. So that, that's why I think this is um, a spiritual uh, dilemma when, when almost half of white evangelicals in our country are owning guns, um, you know, that, that there, there comes a point where you, you say, some may trust in chariots, as the old uh, uh, song goes, right? But, and others may trust in horses, but we trust in our God. There's this sort of idolatry around guns where we, this is what idols are. Idols are things that we are willing to kill for to die for, and to sacrifice our children for. They're things that we treat with God-like reverence, but they are not God, and they always fail us. They give these empty promises, right, of self-determination, of protection, of ridding the world of evil. That's exactly the kind of power that we attribute to the idols of our guns, and, and it's costing us so many lives. So, Let's do better. And as a church, let's be that conscience that Martin Luther King said that we are called the church is not to be the servant or the master of the state. The church is meant to be the conscience, the holy conscience of our society. Uh, so that's what we're going for. And I want to talk just for a second about um, some of the law, you know, some of the things that I think we could be praying for and advocating for in our country. And when I, when I think about policies, you know, there's the heart change, there's God healing hearts, but then, you know, sometimes we're waiting on God to do things that God may have given us the power to do ourselves. And I think people can change laws. We've been entrusted with that power. And, and the fact is that 90% of Americans want to see change when it comes to our gun violence. Um, uh, to almost Three quarters of gun owners want to see change. A lot of our vigils and marches, we've got gun owners that have shirts that say, I'm a hunter 
against assault weapons because you don't, one of the shirts said, you don't need more than 10 rounds to shoot a deer, <laughs> right? And that's one of the laws that we're trying to advocate for is just a limit on the capacity um, that guns have without reloading. Um, so we'll talk about that in a second. But, you know, when I think about policies, I think of cars. And there's a lot, you know, cars are not designed to kill, but they can be deadly. And we've done so many things to try to protect people from losing their life, even in car accidents, right? We've added seat belts. We've got technology, airbags. We require driver's licenses. You have to pass a test in order to, you know, to get a driver's license. If you abuse your right to own a car, you can lose it, right? There's a limit to alcohol. There's speed limits. There's all kinds of, there's a, you know, minimum age, all of these different things that we have on cars to try to protect people. And yet on guns, it's one of the most unevolved industries in our country. When the second amendment, which, you know, has been interpreted as the right for individuals to own guns, uh, the right to bear arms. When that was written, they wrote the word well-regulated into the Second Amendment, the authors did. And they also, um, uh, they, they said as they were writing it that this doesn't mean that you can own any weapon. Uh, we want it to be well-regulated. And when guns were, were uh, the power that guns had, you know, 200 years ago um, was to fire maybe one round or two rounds in a minute. Now our guns have the capacity to shoot over a hundred rounds a minute. James Madison, that was one of the authors of the second amendment. He said that liberty can be endangered by the abuse of power, but liberty can also be endangered by the abuse of liberty. Our freedom can be endangered by the abuse. So, so one person's unregulated right to air, bear arms can infringe on another person's safety and right to live and life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So, you know, when I think about some of the things that we could do, this is one of the, the, the things that we're trying to pass in Philadelphia is a law that would limit the number of handguns that one person could have. One handgun a month. So one person could purchase 20 uh, 12 handguns, 12 handguns a year. So one handgun a month, 12 handguns per person per year. You go, who needs more than 12 handguns, <laughs> right? Someone that's making a lot of money off handguns and not making the world safer, right? So there's things like that. Um, we know that 18 to 20 year olds are responsible for a disproportionate amount of the violence. So something like uh, raising the minimum age. I mean, you can't buy alcohol in America till you're 21 years old. You can't rent a car till you're 25. But the, the wild thing is that you can actually uh, buy guns uh, uh, many places when you're 18 years old, even assault rifles, right? So um, there's, there's some of this that is about technology. You think, let, let's explore fingerprint technology that could require a fingerprint to operate a gun. So then it would be harder to, uh, for a kid to find it in the house and, and uh, be killed in an accident or for someone to use it to take their own life uh, for a stolen gun to be used. We've got um, like 300,000 guns that are stolen every year and we don't even require that they be reported. So there's even gun shops where 15 guns disappear every day in America from gun shops. Uh, uh, they're 
sort of stolen, you know, because sometimes they disappear and they're never even traced or reported. So we need to hold people accountable that are making money off of guns. This is what we say is that the problem, our biggest problem is not gun owners. It's gun profiteers and gun extremists who will not compromise their ideology. Uh, And they keep saying things like, you know, if they come for our assault rifles, they're going to take our hunting rifles, but that's not true. We can do better. Y'all we can do better at protecting life in the same ways that we've done with cars. We want to we want to do research too and figure out what works. I mean, we've done that on cars. There's all kinds of research, kinds of research, to show how we can save lives. But just like the tobacco companies blocked all research on cancer because it would uh, incriminate them, it would show that they needed to do better. Uh, The same thing's true with our guns. Right now, we have more regulations on toy guns than real guns. I'm going to stop in a second because I know y'all can't take all this up. It's just too much, right? Like literally, if I took a toy gun, a Nerf gun, and shot at one, you know, at, uh, well, I won't um, say I shot anyone in particular, but let's just say um, I shot a Nerf gun at a friend and it put their eye out, then they could, we could sue Nerf. The company would be responsible, but we've got more regulations on toy guns and real guns. You, the, the gun manufacturers have this immunity that they have exploited. And right now in America, We are manufacturing guns at a rate that it is unprecedented. Nine and a half million guns a year, 26,000 guns a day, one gun every three seconds. Pray for us, y'all. Pray for us. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers for they are the children of God. We need some peacemakers that are going to interrupt the patterns of violence. So it was great to be at the White House. Celebrate this little crack in the wall and say, there's so much more that we need. So, you know, Martin Luther King's son, uh, Martin Luther King III was there. Um, the Jesse Jackson was there. So many people that have seen their loved ones killed. We don't always think of Dr. King as a victim of gun violence, but he was in this epidemic of gun violence has taken so many lies. So let's be pro-life. Let's be champions of life, not just on one issue, but on all of them and on the the gun violence um, and on all of the forms of violence in the world. This goes all the way back to the inaugural murder of Cain killing his brother Abel and the blood cried out to God, cries out to God from the ground. So uh, this is holy work we're doing. Bless y'all. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Shane Claiborne. I'll see you next week. Oh, and one more thing. You all know that we've been making a bunch of stuff out of chopped up guns, uh, like garden tools and jewelry. Well, I started thinking, what could I bring President Biden and Vice President Harris? So I brought them both a heart necklace and I got to deliver it, y'all. I delivered one to the to the second gentleman, as we say, the uh, husband of Kamala Harris. I gave it to him and told him about it. And then I gave another one to uh, President Biden, uh, to a good friend of his. So they've got a heart necklace made out of a chopped up gun. And uh, it was a good day at the White House. See y'all. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Red Letter Christians podcast. Too often, Christians have used our faith as a ticket into heaven and a license to ignore the world we live in. 
but it read other Christians. We believe our faith is not just about going to heaven when we die, but also about bringing heaven to earth while we live. For more information on Red Letter Christians and upcoming events, additional resources, you can go to the show notes or our website, redletterchristians.org. You can also support Red Letter Christians by giving a one-time donation or becoming a monthly sustainer. Just go to our website and click the red donate button. Thank you for being a part of this conversation and for being a part of this movement.